0: Really, at the first of the year, I don't know if I've ever gone this long before on a series, but I have done it. And uh, part of it, we ministered during this uh, this crisis, ministered on some other things. But this is lesson number eleven on the um, <clears throat> on prayer being our place of t- of safety uh, in twenty twenty. And uh, so, uh, I've, I've just doing a lot of explaining about prayer. You know, I came into my life with God, you know, over forty three years ago. You know, I prayed. My mother taught me to pray before I went to bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep and all that. And uh, she taught me to pray, you know, over my meals. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food, you know, uh, from that primer that kids had years and years ago. But, uh, you know, and then I prayed the Lord's Prayer at church. We'd get together and we'd finish singing, you know, a couple of songs. And then we'd say the Lord's Prayer together. That's about all I knew about prayer and then as I, I got before God, and, and He began to teach me, and I got away with Him. You know, prayer is kind of like l- learning to ride a bike or learning to uh, drive a car. You can read the manual. The other people can tell you how to do it. But you just got to get in there and do it yourself. And you'll find a lot out about the Lord. And I have to say, my prayer life has um, its changed who I am. Uh, Jesus has changed who I am. And it's made me a better person. And you know what? Prayer can make you a better person. Prayer is conversing with the Father. So we've been talking about a number of aspects of that. We've talked about Jesus' prayer life and how we should pray. He prayed about things ahead of time. We've talked about the, the need to pray, why we pray. Satan is the god of this age, has a legal right to be here because of Adam's sin. We took three weeks and talked about that. past number of weeks, we've looked at different kinds of prayer. And the basis for that is the Scripture, is Ephesians 6, 18, this is New International Version where it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And then it uses the phrase, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And so he said, with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all, God, all the Lord's people. So all kinds of prayer. There are different kinds of prayer. And the problem that I found over the years in learning how to pray myself is, is you just think prayer is prayer and you put it all together and use the same rules. And there are different kinds of prayer for different kinds of situations in life. And having said that, don't, don't want to make it real legalistic, but there's some rules that go with the different kind of prayers you pray. The prayer of faith, the rule there is you've got to believe that you receive before you can have it. We talked about the prayer of consecration where, where you do pray, Lord, not my will, your will be done, and you consecrate yourself to God. That's not like the prayer of faith where you pray at one time and believe you receive. Consecration is, man, you know, God, I need you, and I need to give this to you. And you're, you're relinquishing control of various things in your life to the Lord. We all need that prayer of consecration. See, it's a, a different rule, different rules that go with that. When you're praying for someone else, we call that the prayer of supplication. Again, there are different rules that apply. You don't pray that like you do the prayer of faith. When I'm praying for someone else, I don't pray the way I pray the prayer of faith for me. When I'm praying for somebody else, I got two things involved. I got I got the person's will involved. I mean, you know, they, they may not they may not want to go a certain direction that that They know they need to, and so the prayers come up to their will, and it, it puts an influence on them so they can obey the Lord. And then and then you have the intrusion of Satan into a person's life where he comes and tempts and tries to keep them from the things of God and blind their minds. And see, our prayers are effective in saying, Satan, take your hands off. See, there's different rules that apply when you're praying for someone else. Then the last time we talked about the... Um, the prayer of agreement and then united praying. Today, we're going to hone in on, on one of my favorites. And really, let me say this. What we're going to talk about today, this is where you all to spend most of your prayer time. Prayer of worship. Worship is praise and prayer go hand in hand. Uh, and so I want to talk about the prayer of worship. And, um, you know, we often spend our time a lot a lot of people get right into praying and and they get right into praying and asking for things first thing we should do how many know when you get before god you ought to begin to worship him and that worship gets us in the mode where we can hear from him We can get in His presence. It settles our heart down, and it opens up the atmosphere of heaven around us. So let's talk about six six things that we need to know about the prayer of worship. And number one is this. Enter God's manifest presence by beginning your time of prayer Uh, with worship and again as i said it should be a main part of your prayer life i noticed in in what we typically call the lord's prayer matthew 6 jesus started his praying he said verse 9 in this manner therefore pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name what is that he began to worship before he said anything he began to he began to worship god he began to worship his father And that's how he started out. Why? Because that opens up the windows of heaven so that there can be a tremendous exchange between you and your heavenly Father. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and then his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And um, I said this so many times, but years ago, nobody told me to do this. I would... uh, I don't know what made me do this, I just don't remember, it's been 40 something years ago, but um, I started uh, taking, you know, I, I was accustomed, I was raised in a traditional denominational church, and we sang from a hymn book, to per, turned to page this, page that, sing three songs, and that's it, and, um, <clears throat> and so I, I was not familiar with these chorus kind of songs that we sang when I went to a non-denominational church in the mid-1970s. But I, I I understood, you know, fairly quickly why we did that. We really wanted a heart connection with the Lord. And uh, and so we would sing these little songs. Well, I, I wrote them down, and I wrote some of the lyrics down. I got to know that if you do something in rote over and over, you get to know it. So I'd write the, the names of these songs down, and, and I'd take them to my place of prayer. Nobody told me to do this. I, I don't even remember how, but... I just remember before, before I would pray over, and over, this is before I, I was married, I'd get off by myself to pray and just sing and worship. Sometimes I'd go take a walk and pray, and, and before I prayed, I'd just sing. I'd get some of those songs out. I'd get my little list out. I'd sing my first song a couple of times, sing the next song. By, by the time I got into the third song, something had changed. My, the atmosphere around me changed. I, I felt more settled than I was before, and, and it just felt like there was some kind of a heart connection with me and the Father, and, and so over the years, that's how I start my prayer life, by myself, I just get somewhere and worship, and sing, and praise, I just recently, in the past six, seven weeks, I told you, I started playing my harmonica, I hadn't played a thing in, my gosh, uh, probably 12 years, I, I, I'm sorry, 12, 45 years, I hadn't played a harmonica, and I started playing my heart harmonica, so now I'll sing and worship, I've got, I just bought five, they're not very expensive, and Different keys. And I've just been playing my harp. I hope the Lord enjoys it. When I get there, I'm going to ask Him what He thinks about it. But, you know, it's just worship. It's worship, y'all. It creates an atmosphere around you. It's wonderful. And how many know that when Jesus left, you know, the the believers were worshiping. And when He returns, we ought to be worshiping. In fact, listen to this. Just when Jesus left the earth, look at this. Luke 24, 51. It came to pass while He blessed them. That he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. We call that the ascension of Christ. He ascended up to heaven. And it says he was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Wow! you think they would be sad because Jesus went away. But see, the worship was their connection with him. He went to be with the Father. And they say, well, if I were to be with my friend Jesus, I'm going to worship. So it ought to be when He comes back that we're doing the same thing the early disciples were doing when He left. How many know we're worshiping? The early church had a habit of worship. Listen to this, Acts 2, 46. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness. It says in simplicity of heart, watch this, praising God... And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now they were doing this from house to house. We're having house church right now. How many know it's Bible? When you're in your house church, praise the Lord, worship the Lord, sing, worship. Makes a lot of difference. They uh, they had a meeting with a uh, with apostles and teachers and prophets and such in Acts 13. And Acts 13 lists the name of a number of people who were together. And it just kind of says that off the cuff. Acts 13 two. Uh, one day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit spoke. See, worship again creates praise and worship, creates an atmosphere for God to speak. And, and so it, it, it's a tremendous thing to worship the Lord. And then First Thessalonians 5, 17, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, pray without ceasing. Now you read that and say, you say, you mean I'm supposed to pray all the time? When am I going to have time to work? When am I going to have time to... You know, be with my kids. When am I going to have time to vacuum the floor and you know work on the car? When am I going to have time? Well, pray. How can you pray without ceasing? Well, worship enables us to have that constant attitude of prayer, of worship, of thanksgiving from our heart. Uh, Ephesians five eighteen. This is Passion Translation. Listen to this. 518 19, Ephesians, don't get drunk with wine which is rebellion. Instead fill be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Then he says, Your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord Jehovah. Keep speaking to each other with words of Scripture, singing the psalms and praises and spontaneous songs. Given by the Spirit. Back in the seventies, when I first came to the Lord, it was very popular. In fact, I bought this book. You may have it eh, called Psalter, and all it was was the Psalms put to put to uh, music. And and uh, my Bible school f- student friends and I would get together. Somebody always had a guitar, a tambourine, whatever. And and often we would open the Psalms up. In fact, I have I have some songs that are actually made up. They're inspirational. The melody was inspired by the Holy Spirit and put. And put to a psalm i've got several I still sing to this day because uh because they were inspired by the spirit, so how can you fulfill that? Pray without ceasing worship, sing. Uh, I inherited something from my dad, and uh my dad I, I miss him he's been gone for eight years, and um time all my life, I remember as a little boy helping him in the garden or helping him you know work on some aspect of the house he was working on or or helping him in the yard or whatever. Uh, My dad was always doing one of three things. He was either singing, whistling, or humming all the time, and and without ceasing almost, all the time. And uh, I can still hear him whistling. And my dad would whistle the hymns that we sang at the Baptist church where we attended, and then he would sing them. And, I mean, he would just bellow them out. I'd go with him somewhere in the car. He would sing. He'd just worship and sing. I'd catch him out sometimes. I was coming home from school Maybe he had a day off or something. He's out in the garden, you know, in the spring or, or whatever, just before school was out. And I could hear him singing as I walked down a dirt road. Well, Dad's outside, you know. And you know what? I inherited that from my dad. If you see me anytime, ask, ask my secretary, and I'm either humming or singing or whistling. And uh, so, you know, if you keep a tune inside, you keep joy alive. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul said to the Philippian believers. And again I say, rejoice. And there's a little song that goes with that back from the 70s. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with psalms and with festive praises. Watch this, and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your heart. Now, when I'm by myself, now, you won't hear it because it's not your business. But you know what I do? I get before God. I just start singing. You, you, uh, what's that movie? Uh, uh, um, what's the one we watch it, uh, uh, Susan? At uh, Christmas Time. Elf. You remember that Elf? If you've ever watched Elf, I know it's a crazy kind of a movie. But one thing I like about Elf, you know, he found his dad in the movie. And, and he started singing to his dad. And he said things like, dad I love you and his dad thought he was berserk you know well I do that to the Lord just start singing that's spontaneous songs from your heart if you've never watched that movie go look and see it that's what elf did to his dad do that to God just start singing Lord I bless you I praise you you're worthy I mean just worship even if you can't carry a tune God doesn't care he thinks you sound beautiful when nobody else does Nobody else wants to hear you. He always wants to. There's something about worship that opens up the heavens to us. And I want to encourage you. You say, well, I don't do a lot of that. I just kind of pray when I have to. Well, you know, it'll take you out of the have to and it'll put some want to in you to pray if you'll just make it a fellowship with you and your Father. So I encourage you to find some songs. And just start singing them to the Lord by yourself. You'll be amazed at what it'll do for you. Number two today is in the Old Testament. Here's a, here's a really really good analogy of um, of worship in the Old Testament. God's presence manifested when animal sacrifices were brought before the place of God's presence, and that was the Ark of the Covenant. Now this is this is this is really cool, and I believe God did this in the Old Testament to show us what happens when we get involved in worship. It, it, where we are now in the church age where the holy spirit dwells within us now i've got uh, three scripture four right here to begin with and, and and they all say basically the same thing psalm 80 verse 1 give ear o shepherd of israel you who lead joseph like a flock you who dwell watch this you who dwell between the cherubim shine forth it talks about god's presence being manifest between these two angels that had big outstretched wings in the holy of holies in the temple. And these angels were called cherubim. Psalm 99, verse 1, the Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. It was a, a quite, quite an experience. Exodus twenty five twenty two: And there I will meet you, and I will speak to you. Watch this. From above the mercy seat... Now, the mercy seat was was the cover of the Ark of Covenant. That was called the mercy seat in Old Testament. They would make animal sacrifices, and the high priest would bring the blood of an animal and literally pour it on the mercy seat. Underneath the mercy seat was a big box, a rectangular uh, box covered with gold, and in that box was the two tablets that God gave Moses, the covenant. God's always mindful, y'all of his covenant with us. And, and, and that high priest would pour animal blood on the mercy seat, signifying men are sinful, but animal blood has covered their sin. They had to do it once a year. And it covered their sin so God could have a covenant with man. That's really amazing. And so it says here, and I will meet you, I will speak with you above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim which are on the ark which I give you in commandment to the children of Israel. So in the Holy of Holies, there were some huge, uh, huge replica of cherubim made out of gold. Their wingspan, each wing was seven and a half feet. It was huge. And these cherubim, you know, they, they, were, they were designed so that when the Ark of the Covenant was set in the Holy of Holies, they would be like this. And they're like, cover, they provided a covering, for the, for the ark, one was on one side and then another cherubim was on the other side. And then when the presence of God manifests, the presence of God would come down right in between the cherubim. Right over the mercy seat. Right over the Ark of the Covenant. And nobody could be in there when that happened. Only the high priest could go in the Holy of Holies. And he just once a year, the day of atonement, he went in to atone or cover the sins of the Old Testament people with animal blood. But they would see the presence over the tabernacle as they were in the wilderness. The presence manifest as a cloud by day to cover the sun. And then a pillar of Pillar of fire by night would hover over the holy of holies in the tabernacle, y'all. That is amazing when you think about that. So they offered sacrifices. When they offered the sacrifices, often the presence would come. When they offered sacrificial animals, I want you to hear it: the presence came. And so it is again, uh, 1 Samuel 4, 4. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. In 2 Corinthians 5, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I've got got, uh, some scripture there. I just want to mention one part of that. Solomon uh, built a temple that replaced the tabernacle in the wilderness. And it was an ornate temple. It was... uh, It was the place where God would manifest His presence. And there in the back, there there was the outer court of the temple. There was the inner court as you walked up the steps and went inside. And there were all kind of things there to worship God. And then they had a curtain at the very back of the temple... Um, that was all the way up to the ceiling and it and it hid the back part of the temple that that they, that God called the holy of holies or holiest of all and and that 's where the ark was that 's where those angels were that 's where the high priest went once a year, and everybody knew God dwelt in that place God dwelt in, and nobody would if you go in there you 'd die I mean the high priest had to had to put certain uh, robes on go through certain rituals. Uh, To be even be able to go in there because God is so pristine, pure, and God is so holy, and they were so sinful. So, just an amazing thing. So, here's Solomon's temple. Solomon built God, an ornate temple. Solomon is David's son. And he built this temple, and they had finished everything, and they had brought all of the all of the worship items items to worship the Lord, placed him in the outer court, the inner court, and then in the holy of holies. They, the last thing they had to do the angels were in there, and they had to bring the the ark, which was a rectangular container plate. Plated, uh, plated with gold, and they were going to bring that in there, and that would that would be the final stage of of preparation for the temple for worship. And it says here, listen to this, verse six of Second Chronicles five. It says, also King Solomon, all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him before the ark were sacrificing sheep and oxen uh, that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. Thousands of animals they were sacrificing. And, and and giving their blood in sacrifice to God. Blood is a covering for sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, the Bible says. Old Testament, the animal blood was a type and shadow of Jesus, the Lamb of God, his blood, who was shed that was shed for us. So they had sacrificed all these animals. I'm trying to make a point here. They sacrificed a lot of animals. A lot of animals died. A lot of animals shed their blood. And it says here uh, that the priest, then the priest brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their wings over the place of the Ark and the cherubim overshadowed the Ark and its poles. And so that's just what we talked about. Then watch what happened as they began to worship, watch this, Second Chronicles 5.11 came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place. <coughs> they had just put the ark there. For all the priests were present, had sanctified themselves. They had all these washings to go through, all these weird clothings to put on, or they couldn't go in there. For all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their division. And the Levites who were the singers and those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun. Uh, with their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them one hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. Can you imagine what a hundred and twenty people with trumpets sounded like? That had to be absolutely amazing. Look, I, I love an orchestra. But this was or, orchestra par none. You get it? And so it says, "Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers." Or as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, "For He is good; for His mercy endures forever, ever." They were singing that melodious chorus somehow that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so that the priests. Could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. When they offered the animal sacrifices and began to worship, God's presence came. It was so thick it looked like a mist. A cloud had, had, had covered the, uh, the uh, temple. And the interior of the temple was filled. And they couldn't even see each other because of the cloud. It was that strong. The presence came. Bottom line, the presence came. When they worshiped, the presence came when they offered sacrifices. Now, I said all that to say this. Now, see, that's Old Testament. They had to offer sacrificial animals. The high priest had to go in and offer that blood on the mercy seat. And then the presence of God would manifest along and along throughout the year, there in the Holy of Holies, right between the two cherubim that covered the Ark of the Covenant, you know, with their visage. But now, See, see, I said all of that to set up for point three. If you don't understand that, point three doesn't make sense. Now God's presence manifests when we offer a sacrifice of praise. See, maybe, maybe you're not happy right now. Maybe, maybe you're challenged. Kids are aggravating you. Husband's aggravating you. Wife's aggravating you. Your job's aggravating you. This situation's aggravating you. You're aggravating you. You say, man, I can't get away. I'm just feeling all of it right now. Well, that's a great time to offer up a sacrifice. You don't have to go sacrifice your dog or cat. No, sacrifice of pra- an animal, a sacrifice of praise. You get it? You might want to do something. Don't do it. No. The Old Testament, again, the, God's presence dwelt between, in the Holy of Holies between the cherubim. Now, now God dwells in us. We are the temple of God. And that's the difference. And when we do what they did in the Old Testament, then we get the same manifestation of God's presence. I want you to see it. Listen. Listen, 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now, that's interesting. Reading that on the surface, there's one thing you don't get. When it says here, do you not not know that you are the temple? The Greek word there for temple is the word naos. And it is the word for the holy of holies in the Old Testament temple. You know what Paul is saying there? Every believer individually has become a holy of holies for the presence of God. That's amazing. So everywhere I am, he is. Inside of you, inside of me, is the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. Inside of me and inside of you is the same God that defeated Israel's enemies when they were in a tough time and in battle. Do you hear me? Man, that's incredible. You're a container of God. John said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. See, you're a, you're a temple. You're a naos, a holy of holies. See, see it that way. I mean, God, God wants you to keep yourself clean. He wants to keep our, us to keep ourselves pure. He wants us to keep us, ourselves from being defiled from the effects of the world we live in. I mean, we're a holy of holies, y'all. Come on, say it out loud. I'm a holy of holies. I'm a container of God. I'm a temple of God. That's amazing. You know, it, it keeps you from feeling alone because you can feel alone today. It, it lets you know that regardless of where you go, He's going with you because he's in you isn't that awesome it's amazing and so again here first corinthians 6 19 or do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god and you are not your own And the emphasis there in 1 Corinthians 6 is watch what you do with your body. Don't get into the sexual perversion of the culture around you. Keep your body pure because the same Holy Spirit, the same God that manifests in the Old Testament, Holy of Holies, manifests in you. That's incredible. Y'all, and then on the, because we said that, listen, Hebrews 13, 15 makes sense now. Therefore by him, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Our, our sacrifices aren't physical. Our sacrifices are spiritual. We don't feel like worshiping. I don't want to do it. I don't want to open my mouth. I want to grumble and gripe and complain and talk about my problems. God said, worship, give me a sacrifice of praise. And when you do, <laughs> all your problems seemingly melt. Melt. And the presence rises. And it lifts you above the strife of the occasion. It lifts us above the circumstance. That's what God intended praise to do in the era that we live in. Now, He manifests Himself physically for the Old Testament believers because they didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. And they had to have some tangible manifestation of God to know that He's with them. But you know what? We don't need something we can see all the time. We have Him in us. The same Holy Spirit that, that helped Jesus in His ministry and that raised Him from the dead is inside of us. We don't need a physical manifestation, but it brings it. It brings joy. It brings peace. It brings His presence. It brings fullness. It brings everything we need when we worship. So instead of going to binge eat, instead of going to, you know, work yourself silly because you don't know what to do and you're aggravated and upset, go somewhere and sing and worship and make sure nobody hears you if you you can't carry a tune because God can. You hear me? It makes a lot of difference, y'all. If you make this practical, it'll change your life. I've been in so many scuffs and challenges and problems in life throughout the years of living just by being in ministry, number one. If you're in ministry, I mean, you're a target for the enemy just to mess you up. And you know what? All that mess-up stuff has come throughout my life, and I've always found a way to get away and worship, and sing, and praise, and I'm telling you, it melts the problems away, and it gives you a different perspective of where you're at, what you're dealing with, and then, and then just the presence of God literally manifests, and it makes a tremendous difference in life, so I encourage you, you know, offer up the sacrifice of praise. I've mentioned this so many times, particularly on Wednesday nights, when we have our first Wednesday praise and worship. But Psalm 22.3 is a beloved verse of mine. But you are holy, New King James Version, enthroned in the praises of Israel. That word enthroned. The Hebrew word means to sit down, to dwell, to remain. Again, what that verse is bringing out, that when we praise... God manifests himself years ago, one of the Bibles in my possession is a spirit filled life study Bible this is on uh, this is on page seventy seven seventy and it's right in the bottom notes of that Bible and I wrote it down so i 'd never forget it and i 've mentioned it a number of times and here I want to mention it again. Uh, the author of that Bible said well the the uh, commentator, uh, the author is the Holy Spirit, but the commentator was a man. So he said, the verb enthrone indicates that wherever God's people exalt His name, He is ready to manifest His kingdom's power in the way most appropriate to the situation as His rule is invited to invade our setting." And then it goes on to say, since God is enthroned in the praises, worship is the key to entering fully into His presence. The concept here is that praise releases God's glory, thus bringing the worshipper's actualized responses to His kingly reign. Listen, His enthroned responses through the Holy Spirit can take many forms such as prophecy, healings, miracles. Affirmation to individual hearts, a call to reverential silence and awe, conviction of sin, salvation of sinners. This verse should be a guiding goal for all personal and corporate worship. Now, you know, when I read that, uh, the first week of March, I have a strange mind that remembers dates. The first week of March, 1985. Where were you in March of 1985? Well, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the flu had attacked my body, and I had called my secretary and said, I ain't coming in today, I'm, I just don't need to be around anybody. And y'all, I, could, I felt, I'd have to feel better to die, that's what I thought, it was awful. So I was laying there in bed, you know, and uh, and I heard the Lord say, "If you believe, you, and I was believing, I received, because whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive, you have." So I was say, uh, you know saying, "Lord, thank you for healing my body." He said, "If if if you believe, you heal." Say yes. said, yeah. said will get up and worship me. And I just kept. I said, "Well, I don't feel like getting out of bed. I don't know what Susan was doing in nineteen eighty-five. We had one child, right? One. So John was born. She was probably out taking care of him somewhere. Anyway, I was in the bedroom and. Uh, and, and so, you know, he persisted. Get up. If you believe you're well, get up and worship me. I kept hearing it. I got up out of bed. And I started walking around, you know, round and round my bed, you know, just up to the wall on one side, round the foot, back up to the wall on the other side. And I just had my hands lifted up. And I just started saying, Father, I just praise you and worship you. Father, I praise you with my old croaky voice. I couldn't hardly talk. Lord, I pray you. I was sick. I, I was sweating. I had a fever, Lord. I worship and praise you. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Father. I worship you. I was voicing my worship, Father. I praise you. I praise you. I praise. About ten minutes into that, something hit me, and it just felt like oil, and all of the fever left. My fever broke. All of the mess cleared out of my lungs. I went to work that day, and I never had the flu, y'all. It was amazing. I had one other situation. I was in uh, southern Ethiopia. And it's a very rustic area with no running water, no electricity and that kind of place, you know, just a very rustic place. And boy, you can you can really get sick. And I had eaten, I didn't know it, and, but I had ingested some, uh, some, some, uh, evidently they put some vegetables in something and you never eat their vegetables because you'll feel like, if you don't die, you'll feel like you should. And I was there, I was feeling really bad and I was just, I can't tell you how bad off I was. Uh, and I thought, man, I don't want to go home in Ethiopia to heaven. I want to go back and be with my family. And I was just crying out. And i never forget, we're in a SUV, little rustic area, and we were going around the top of this mountain. You could look down in the valley and, and just see all the valley for probably 10, 20 miles, and Beautiful, but I was, so, I was so sick. I started singing. I was holding on to, the, to the, uh, the, the hand thing that was up on the top of the ceiling of the vehicle. I was right by the window. And I had my earbuds in. And, and, and a song came on. And I began to sing that song to myself and sing it to the Lord, crying out, God, thank you. I am, you are the God that heals me. And it was some song about healing. And y'all, all I can tell you is as I worship the Lord, That song, then another song came on. It felt like honey poured down my body. And all of that sickness left me. And I was completely healed. So I'm telling you, there's power in praise and worship. You know, I've been in grueling circumstances like we're all facing right now to some degree worldwide. And you know what? If you're on edge, praise will take you off of the edge and will bring the presence of God and bring peace and joy and enable you to just kind of you know, understand where you at, and that God's going to take care of you. Y'all offer the sacrifice of praise. Number four, worship keeps our hearts consecrated to God. I love this verse, John twenty-nine, Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven through thirteen. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and to hope. Then you'll call upon me, and go to pray to me, and I'll listen to you. And then we always quote verse thirteen, and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all of your heart. I, I, really, I really like that verse. Um, worship has a way of exposing our hearts to the Lord. It's hard to worship when you've got sin in your life. Unconfessed sin. Things you know that are wrong. You can't get before God and worship with any degree of success because the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, can we talk? And He'll start talking to you about those things. It's amazing how worship can clean you up. But it's important that, you know, our hearts remain consecrated to God, particularly when you're in a hard place, like we all are right now, and worship will take you there. Let me also say this. Um, uh, years ago, when I first came to the Lord, God gave me a verse, and it really ministered to me. I'd spent, I mean, really all my life in church singing, you know, hymns and, and all that, and and, uh, and and singing was just a part of church, and I knew that. But I noticed that people would sing songs and while they're singing at church as a little boy, you're very observant as a child. They're just looking around at everybody. People are singing things and then they're singing things they don't believe because when church is over, they're doing things they shouldn't be doing and saying things they shouldn't say. And these songs talked about I'm thinking, something's wrong with this as a kid. And I thought, man, what is this? Then I found... Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. and this is amplified. And the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but remove their hearts and minds far from me, and their fear and reverence for me are a commandment of men that is learned by repetition without any thought as to its meaning. You know what it's possible to do? You can even come to our church, maybe watching us online, and we're singing songs that you've heard other places, maybe there's some songs you sing on your own or they're on your radio in your vehicle or you're listening to your MP3 player or whatever, and we're singing them. You know what you can do? You can put it in automatic pilot. You can be lifting your hands and you're thinking about something else. You're going somewhere else. You're thinking about your business deals in the next week, your job, what you've got to do, things you've got to do with your children, responsibilities you have, what are you, what you're doing this afternoon. Or You might even be thinking about lunch because your belly's hungry no he says here you know it's possible to worship and and it's just words coming out of your mouth with no heart content see that that verse has always challenged me i want to slow down and i'm worshiping the lord when we're together as a congregation in church and hey listen calm down force your mind not to think about anything but the lord for me uh, I, for me, I put, my, I put my mind on heaven And I imagine that I'm right before the throne of God When I first came to the Lord uh, The charismatic church I attended In my hometown um, You know, uh, they, they would sing hymns Because that was just the thing you did Even in the charismatic church We sang little choruses But we would also sing hymns And I knew all the hymns Because I sang them for years and years In the Baptist church And I would sing those hymns And, and I sang them as a child but when I sang them after I had an experience with God and was baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's like, whoa, I've been, I've been singing that all my life and did not know what it meant. The first Christmas that I had as a believer in 1976, man, I couldn't stop crying. All those little songs about, you know, Jesus' birth and the virgin birth and who Jesus is, and, and that all began to make sense to me. See, see I, had, I had a pattern of singing without my heart being engaged. See, I know what that feels like. Maybe you're at a place in life you've been you've been worshiping, but your heart's not engaged. So you know what I did when I first came to the Lord. I never forget. I, I, nobody told me to do this either. I can remember. I had one certain certain place I sat. This was an old old denominational building. And a charismatic church had still had pews, and there was a big stained glass window. I'd sit right beside that stained glass window because it was light. And and i go on Sunday morning and begin to worship. And I didn't... I, I just wanted God so bad, I closed my eyes. And I just began to sing the song. And what I found was it left distractions out. You know what our problem is today? We got to have the smoke. We got to have the lights. We got to have all the glitz, glam, and glitter. And we got all this external stuff. And we're forgetting the person that we're worshiping. And y'all, I mean... So even now... You know, now I can. Now I have an ability. Now I can pray with my eyes open. I can have my eyes open, and I can I can see myself before the throne of God in my mind's eye, so to speak. Um, but if not for a long time, I just close my eyes when I worship because you know I just didn't I just didn't want the distractions. And in 21st century, there are distractions galore. And when you worship, get rid of the distractions. I love this verse. Psalm 29, you may want to keep that one, look at it again. That one, 13. make sure your heart's in it because that's when you get the most out of it. Worship God, make sure the heart content is there. Number five, worship allows, I love this, allows God to fight our battles. You know, we've recently come up with this song. that song, this is how we fight our battles, I love that song. I listened to it on the way in, in fact, in my truck. Psalm 149, six through nine, new living, let the praises of God be in their mouths, and a sharp sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. Now he's not talking about natural people. He's talking about demon forces of hell that come against you. The principalities, the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, the spiritual forces that try to pin us down and keep us down. When you worship, it It binds them with shackles and their leaders with iron chains to execute the judgment written against them. And this is our privilege as as his faithful one. So you know what? When you worship the demon spirits that just want to dog your tracks and aggravate you, they're they're constant, y'all. I mean, they're crazy now at this point. You have thoughts that come into your mind that you say, where did that come from? Well, sometimes it comes from the enemy, from on the outside. Or maybe you have urges and desires that come on you suddenly. Demon spirits, you need to resist that in the name of Jesus. You have the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus also. A tremendous weapon is worship and praise. Demon spirits hate worship and praise. When you begin to worship the Lord, they can't stay. Now, I've had this experience, and I've got to hurry to close. But listen to this. I've been in Ethiopia. I don't know how many times we have outdoor meetings. There'll be, I'm not uh, exaggerating, thousands of people in a little field. We've got big loudspeakers blaring, and, and, you know, we're singing and worshiping and stuff. And, and when the presence of God comes while we're worshiping, y'all, uh, we've got, so I, I've seen in my minds so I can see one, two, three, four, like six or seven choirs this choir has red robes. This choir has yellow robes. This choir has green robes. This choir has blue robes and are all separate. And they're worshiping and everybody's, you know, just swaying like they do. And when the presence comes, there's people, Church supposedly church people hit the ground. Demon spirits. And wreathe in agony. Demon spirits hate worship. So if the devil's dogging your tracks, weird thoughts keep coming your way. Melancholy, oppression, depression the best thing you 're going to do is put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness it 's a tremendous spiritual weapon worship is I just want to i 'm going to take time to read this because I think it 's really worth it. I mention it again on Wednesday nights a lot, but this is when Jehoshaphat was just the enemy armies were around god 's people i 'm just jumped right into the middle. Of 2 Chronicles 20 Explaining that And they didn't know What they were going to do They had prayed God we don't know What to do Our eyes are upon you And then verse 14 The Spirit of the Lord 2 Chronicles 20 Verse 14 The Spirit of the Lord Came upon one of the men Standing there His name was Jehaziel Son of Zechariah Son of Benaiah Son of Jael Son of Mataniah Don't name your kids That okay Uh, A Levite Who was the descendant Of Asaph He said Listen all you people Of Jehovah. Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. And they were more in number than, than God's people were. March out against them. You'll find them coming up. Told them where they would be through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the uh, wilderness of Jeruel. Uh, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. whoa. God said, I'm gonna fight for you. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. All of the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. The Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out. Judah was the praise company in Israel, went out into the wilderness of Tekoah. On the way, Jehoshaphat stoops, uh, stopped and said, Listen to me all you people of Judah and Jerusalem Believe in the Lord your God And you'll be able to stand firm Believe in his prophets, you'll succeed After consulting with the people the king appointed Singers, watch this Singers to march in front of the army y'all Singing to the Lord, praising him With his holy splendor. I mean, so they got their armament. They got their shields. They got their spears. They got their stuff. They're not like an army today. But they put the praisers out in front of the army. You think they're going to get slaughtered by the enemy. A carnal person would say, they're nuts. They're going to be slaughtered. And look what happened. They walked ahead of the army seeking to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab, Ammon, Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. The enemy whipped themselves. God's people didn't have to lift a sword. God did it when they praised. What are you going through? What are you facing? Maybe you're aggravated like I get sometimes. Man, put your praise on. Let the armies of God fight your battle. Maybe you're depressed, oppressed. You don't know what's going to happen with your life after this corona thing. Worship, praise. The power of the presence of God, the power of the kingdom of heaven will manifest around you. Maybe you're dealing with an illness in your body. Worship. Ask God to heal you and then worship and praise. The presence will come. God will deliver you. Maybe you're having problems in your marriage. Maybe you've got problems with your kids and you can't find a solution. Do what they did. Put the praisers out front. Put your praise out front. Get your praise on. Get your worship on. Let's get our hearts engaged. God's power is available, but y'all, we've got to get into a position where he manifests himself. And he manifests himself. How many know in our praise and worship, same thing happened with, with uh, Paul and Silas. They had been beaten in Acts 16, and they were put in a dungeon, an inner prison, a dungeon. It was dark. It was stinky. It was smelly. It was terrible. And uh, they put their feet and hands in stocks. They couldn't get away. And around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. So loudly, the other prisoners heard them. They were trying to sleep, but they were worshiping and singing. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and the doors immediately flew open, and all of the prisoners' chains fell off. That's incredible. You say, well, I'm in a hard place, man. I feel like I'm in a dungeon. Do what Paul did. Do what Silas did. They worshiped and praised, and God took care of the problem. That's God's word seriously. I hear I, that's the word of the Lord for now for all of us. We're, the whole world's in this together. And you know what God's power has not been diminished. We just need to make it available in our worship and praise. My last point, worship keeps you standing in faith. So I love this Psalm 106 12. then they believed His word, they sang his praise. miss his paraphrase, then they believed his words. Were true and broke out in psalms of praise. I love that. Isn't that great? If you believe God's promises, if you believe God's gonna meet your need, You believe God's going to make a way for you whatever you're dealing with. Worship, praise, show him. Show him you mean what you say. It was about, Abraham did the same thing, being not weak in faith. He didn't consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. This is Romans 4. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelievable, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. What does strong faith do? Praise when it looks bad. Praise when it looks like it's not working. How many get it? I'll leave you with this. This and it's not in the notes and Sean, you don't have this to show on the screen. Even, this is Habakkuk 3.17, the New Living Translation, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there's no grape On the vines Even though the olive crop fails The fields lie empty and bare Even though the flocks die in the fields And the cattle barns are empty Yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful in the God of my salvation The sovereign Lord is my strength He makes me as sure-footed as a deer Able to tread upon the heights And those deer he's talking about Little small deer They had such sure-footedness They could be on the crag of a mountainside and the precipice is right below, but they never, they never trip because of the way God made them. That's what God does for us when we're in problems. So, so maybe we're going through what they're going, they went through here, that agrarian culture. The, the, the fields weren't blooming. The, the um, cattle weren't calving. Nothing was going right. Everything was wrong. It looked like doom and gloom. He said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I, I, I just uh, I just want to encourage you. Take some time today, and let's get into the presence of God, and let's worship Him with utter abandon. Take your mind off of everything around you. Focus on the presence of God. Focus on on the kingdom of God. Often I see God just seated on His throne, with all those rainbow of colors around Him, and the angels around Him. If you'll do that as you worship and sing, you know what God will meet you. He'll dispel your fears. He'll lift off that oppression that depression and something amazing will start happening in your life. You're watching right now, and you know what? This is all new. It's kind of foreign to you. That's okay. It's been foreign to me in my life, but you know what? When I started doing this, my life started changing. And you've been through crisis after crisis. You start handling crisis by God's power and not your own. Things will start changing.